Okay, so a couple weeks ago, when we did our um, weekly text prayer thing where we all prayed together, I sent, sent it out, and someone texted in something that struck me. And it struck me because I don't hear this question often enough. And I thought, this needs to be asked more often. So here was the question. Um, they said, will you please pray? So it was a prayer request. Would you please pray that God would show me how to share my faith? And when it stuck out to me, I thought, wow, that is, that's rare, which is weird, because it shouldn't be rare. It should be more common. But let's face it, we all have these different fears, don't we? Like if I said, we're about to start a series on evangelism, you'd go, okay, well, I think I'm going to do some different things on Sundays, because that scares the heck out of me. Or if I said, hey, next Sunday, instead of just all meeting together, we're going to go out and share our faith. It'd be like, ah, ah. Is, is that an ulcer? Like something would kick in. I want to encourage you, you're not alone. And it's because our perspective of what that means to share our faith is off. So um, recently there was these group of seminary students, male, female, all different ages, but seminary, if you don't know, is where people go to study how to do ministry. So a lot of it's theology, some of it's practical, um, in fact, one guy that we interviewed to be a youth director for us said, um, so do you have to go to seminary? How does this work? Like, they didn't know how it worked at all. And so this study of seminary students who we think kind of like the, you know, they're, they're different than the rest of us, right? Do you think that sometimes? They were interviewed um, and questioned about their faith and about sharing their faith. And they were very transparent. And so about 5 to 10% of them, it was part of their weekly, part of their lifestyle. Like they were just excited to share their faith with others. They were walking with non-believers. Um, they were leading people to Christ. This is in seminary. Only 5 to 10%. And I think that was probably a little generous. But these were the issues they said they had. Everybody else, these were their issues. I'm assuming these will be fairly familiar to all of us. These others said, look, we have few contacts with non-Christians. Like, we just don't, we're not there. We don't hang out with them. Um, they also said, you know, we don't desire. We don't desire to be trained or have help in this so that can, we, we can relate better to non-Christians. I don't even think about it. I don't think like, oh, someone needs to help me to figure out how to do this. Because they just hang out in their little Christian pods. Um, they probably would not bring their unsaved friends to most church functions. So even those that did have friends that weren't of faith, they're like, I'm not taking them to any church things. Um, they don't want to learn how to evangelize or share their faith. Most of them said they feel they should lead people to Christ, but they do not want to give much time and energy to it. And then the other main response they had was their prayer concern is high, but they don't spend much time actually praying for people that don't know the love of God. The thing about this sharing of faith is that we all share those things. We all share that awkwardness, right? So what I want us to do is, and I told you I was going to get you back, so I'm getting you back right now. Of these six, I want you to think through them, and I want you to think, which ones can you relate to the most? Now, underneath this is fear, fear of rejection, fear of being weird, fear of turning them off, fear of not having the answers. It's a whole lot of fear. It's not so much disinterest, but we'll get into that over the next couple weeks. 
but we share these. And I want us to realize that you're not alone. And so get in groups like four to five, and, and I want you to do this. I want you to, which of these six areas can you relate with? Because I know we all can relate with at least one of them. So um, turn your chairs, four to five, however you want to do it, and try to answer that. Like, of these six, which can you relate with? All right? So I'll give you a few minutes. You don't have to share, of course, in those groups. Introduce yourself, and then I'll pull us back together. Before we get too deep in this, I want to share with you why I think this is important and, and why it matters to me on a personal level that we share our faith. Um, we'll talk about this a few times. Well, let me save that for the end of what I'm going to share here. So I, I came to faith because of other people. And most of them had no idea they played a part in it. Uh, I think of Kerry Cutler, uh, who when I was in high school. I think of uh, my buddy Brent Strawn. I think of this youth pastor, Mark Counter. I think of the Hicks family, my other friends, and their whole family that kind of like pulled me in and adopted me. Um, a guy named Peter Rubicava and Dana Wallen. And that's just a few of the people. And like I said, most of them, they weren't intentionally trying. Some of them had no idea. They were all imperfect. They were all messed up to one degree. And yet God used them to move me to see Jesus more clearly. They didn't evangelize like we think. Now, maybe I say that word and it means nothing to you. But usually when you hear that word, it's like, because it's been, it, it, it comes from a different place. And so when I came to faith, though, it was so exciting to me because everything fell into place. And I had all the other things a teenager was supposed to have, the things you're supposed to aim for, like get good grades, be popular. I, I, I'm a competitive person, so I, I needed to gain all those things. And I had them all, and yet I knew, wait, something's not right. And so the Lord was calling me, and these, he used these people to move me to get a clearer picture of Jesus. And even at that point, I didn't quite know what was happening. That's at least how I see how it works most of the time. And so um, my buddy Brent had this youth group, and they played basketball. And so I went because of the basketball and the volleyball or whatever sports were going on because I just love sports. And then when I started to be able to see Jesus, just a sliver of who he was, then I got all excited. I started bringing everyone from the high school. I wasn't evangelizing. I didn't think I was. I was just like, I, other people should have this. This is amazing. It didn't feel like religion to me because that's one of the reasons I never wanted to go to any of these churches that I was invited to. Hey, you want to come to youth group? Yeah, no. Because it was like, oh, I'm going to do something I'm not familiar with. But I was so excited about this idea of who Jesus was. And as I read through his teaching, I'm like, does, does not everybody know this? Like, I couldn't ever find anything wrong. Like, my heart said, yes, 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 yes on everything he said. And so I started, and so the youth group went from like 10 people to like 60. And you think, oh, he must have the gift of evangelism. No. I just wanted people to see this. And I just started saying, hey, come on, let's go play some basketball. Let's do this. Because it fit. It fit for my friends. And so I bring them. And then when I finished high school, I was like, all right, I'm going to go be a transient missionary to teenagers because they need to know about this. And so I, I went to a Christian school because I figured that's what you're supposed to do. And my dad's like, what are you doing? Why are you going? You could be going to these schools and these schools. So we, we never saw eye to eye on any of that. Um, but I, I, wanted to, I wanted people to know. 
And so I went to the school, and then I started coaching um, after college at uh, this inner city school, San Diego High School, coaching football, which I had no idea how to coach, but I figured I just want to be around these teens, and I didn't go around going, hey, Purnell, here you go. Hey, do you know about Jesus? Let me talk to you about Jesus. Like, it wasn't like that, because that's just weird, right? You have to know your audience. You have to know who people are, but I just, I, I just felt like show up, just show up in people's lives. Um, and then uh, that ended up over several stages. We, my wife and I, we ended up doing Young Life which was go doing carnational ministry. Go out where teenagers are at and just be with them. And then through your life, and then you give them opportunities, things that fit. And like one guy said, you tricked me with all the fun, man. <laughs> and then as I got there, I, I didn't care about that anymore. I just wanted to see Jesus. They didn't want to like go to church and be all religious. It was just like something's right here. There's all these lies. There's all this confusion. There's all this anxiety. And like, oh, Oh, and then down the road, uh, you know, my, one of my best friends said, let's, let's plant this church, let's go plant a church. So we planted Shoreline, which is right over there now. And, um, and then from that, then the Lord put on our heart to go plant branches. And I was like, Lord, you know I'm not a church planter. So my answer is no. And then he just broke through and said, oh, really? And so here we are. And so during this period of time, I've been to like over 50 countries on six of the seven continents, either teaching, running camps, whatever, just to share this good news of Jesus. But um, this has been proven time and time again with studies. Only 5 to 10% of people are given the spiritual gift of evangelism. And I know I'm not that guy. And yet God's called me into this, and yet I don't have that spiritual gift. And there's people I know that have it. There's people that you're like, I, I don't know what's happening. I don't even know why these people are talking to you. In fact, my buddy George is right down there. Um, when we planted Shoreline, I said, look, stop being in the office. Just go walk up and down Del Mar. I don't know what it is, but you just like talking to people. And you talk to them, and they ask you questions. And the next thing you know, they're like, hey, what's this? Huh? And they're talking about Jesus. That's not me. And my guess is, if there's someone here with that gift, there's only like two or three of you. <laughs> but we all play a part in this. This church was planted for that reason, a church for people that don't go to church. That's what we told people all the time. But when we talk about evangelism, none of us want to do that because it's been distorted. It shouldn't be awkward. It should be natural. Just like I shared with you in my life, it should be natural because you're excited and you want people to know. And if you're not excited, then don't get involved in it. Then it's just weird, right? It's like being all excited about Nutella, but you can't stand it. And someone's like, well, you got to tell people about Nutella. You should really try this Nutella. It's really good. Um, hey, I can buy you some. I can take you to the grocery store, whatever. Why? So the reason it's so awkward is because our perception of what it is is off. And so over the next few weeks, I want us to take a look at this and try to be reminded of what it means to share our faith. And so whatever preconceived notions you have, like just put them aside and let's start, let's start fresh. And what I want to do is I want to start with why does it matter to God? Like, it's easy for us to go, well, you know, because we're told we're supposed to do these things. Let's look at the heart of God. Let's, and as we talk about all the time, the actions of God 
determine the words of God. They interpret the words of God. So let's take a look. So if you have your Bibles, open them up um, to Luke chapter 15. So have a phone, have whatever. I just want you to have it there so that maybe later you'll look at it again. And of course, as we always talk about being in God's word. Um, so what's happening here in this context, as we see, is Jesus is out there. He's, and we, we looked at this passage uh, earlier as we were talking about the importance of the shared meal. And so he's having this shared meal and the tax collectors and the other notorious sinners. That's my new favorite word, by the way, notorious. I think I've used it three weeks in a row. They often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religion, of religious law, complain that he was associating with such sinful people and eating with them. Because when you eat with someone, you're accepting them, you're valuing them, you're saying, I want to pursue friendship. And so they asked, basically, is there, is there grumbling? In some of your translations, it'll say, they're basically saying, God, why? Jesus, why are you sharing this? Why do you even bother with these people that are so far out from God, there's no way they would come close? Why are you doing that? Another way to look at it is like, why are you evangelizing these people? <laughs> but his answer which we're going to look at, is he's explaining the heart of God. So as Jesus does so often, he teaches with stories, because it just makes more sense. Like so often we're like, well, let me get into theology of this and break it down. But when you share a story, it's like, oh, yeah. And so that's why he used this. So he, he says, he, he answers them with a story. If a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Now, when we studied Psalm 23 and went through that series, we talked about what a shepherd does. The average person doesn't have 100 sheep, right? So we know he's talking most likely about a shepherd. And a shepherd's relationship with a sheep is just different. It's not like today, like, I got my cattle. There they are. There's the cattle. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to walk around. They bug. Like, there was a, it, it's, more than a pet. And I've had in the past few weeks where people had to either take off work or they couldn't talk because they lost their pet of 13 years or whatever. I mean, people are really attached to their pets. Some of you are like, oh, don't even get me started. I'll just start tearing up. Where's the tissue? And so when it comes to a shepherd and the sheep, it's even more than that. It's because he's walking with his sheep and he's, he's protecting them and looking out for them and, and spending time with them and cleaning them and caring for them. And when you care for some thing, some living thing, there's always this love that comes with it. It starts with just caring and then it goes somewhere else. And so, well, it's just one sheep. You got 99 others, right? It's like saying, hey, I know you've got eight kids and this one's really sick, but hey, you got the seven others, right? Like it's the stupidest thing to say, isn't it? And so in the same ways, but that, but Billy, Billy the sheep, he's missing. Where is Billy? I, there's this connection. And so God's trying to, Jesus trying to explain to these Pharisees, like, what do you mean why am I hanging out with these people? Because if one of them is lost, I'm going after him. I will leave the other 99 in some kind of safe situation, but I'm off. It's never convenient. It's never easy. But I love them so much that I'm going to go and do this. And the way this whole thing is, is 
laid out, Luke places one story to another story to another story. And so I want to take us to the next story. Well, let me finish this one up. And when he found it, the sheep, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. There's a little bit before my time, but there's this sweet picture of Keith Green, who's this amazing musician. He's got this sheep on his shoulders, and he's kind of staring into the camera. It's on the front of the album. And that picture is so powerful because many people think that this, what Jesus is sharing here is him. He's the shepherd that comes for us, the ones that are lost, and will do whatever it takes and put us on his shoulders to bring us back home. And when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. And he goes into the next story. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And let's say there's a woman. So it goes into this next story. So there's a woman, and she has 10 silver coins, and she loses one. Okay, now before we get into that, you're like, oh, we're going to talk about money. It's not about money. Because those 10 coins, it's a powerful imagery because it's part of the dowry. When a woman would be married, it's like a wedding ring. She'd be given this dowry of these 10 coins. Now, the drachma coin was not round. It was kind of square, or at least squared off. So you know how when you drop a penny or something, it's like it can roll like four blocks away? This drachma doesn't go that far. Um, but this woman has these 10 silver coins, and she loses just one. She's got the other nine. Now, the dowry was there to protect the family, but there's something more powerful with it. For those of you who have ever lost a wedding ring, misplaced it, or you know someone that has, they get all freaky about it. It's kind of like when you lose your wallet. Like, oh, who's going to grab it? Except they're not like, oh my gosh, there were so many diamonds on that. We got to find it. No one ever says that. That was solid gold. Where did it go? I got to find it because it's gold. It has nothing to do with the preciousness of the metal or of the stone. It's what it represents. Like that ring is a connection to your betrothed, to who you love. And most likely, because the man is never mentioned in this story, she's probably a widow. The men didn't live that long. People didn't live that long. So this woman, and we're going to assume she's a widow, it doesn't clearly say that, but it's more likely, and she still is holding on to these ten coins. They're meant to be together. It means something to her. It connects her with her husband. It connects her with that life. And because that one is missing, she wants it back. Now, because, oh my God, that's a lot of money. It's because of what it means. So when Jesus is being asked, why are you hanging out with these people? He compares it with the love that a shepherd has for the sheep or the sentimentality, the passion, the compassion that a woman would have towards losing her wedding ring. Because of that love, that's why. And so she's going to go and put a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she's going to call everybody over because she's already asked. You know when you lose something, like maybe it wasn't in the house, maybe it was over here, maybe it was over there. You're calling everybody, you're texting, you're looking around, you're on the beach with a little thing, looking through the sand, whatever it takes, you want to find it. But it's not because of the value of the matter. It's because of 
the love. Those coins are a symbol of love. That sheep, that connection, it's like, I care for these animals. They're my animals. I love them. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll risk my life. That's why Jesus goes to all this effort. And there's something else that happens here in the next verse that really stuck out to me. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And as we'll talk about with that word repents, that means to change their life, to change, change the way you think, to change your mind. And when you change your mind, your life changes with it. The angels are not mentioned that often in the Bible, in the New Testament. They just aren't. There's a couple times where they're mentioned, and yet Jesus brings them up here. And the angels are in the presence of God. And they get to be in his presence, and they don't just float around with harps in the clouds that we talked about when we talked about heaven. There's, there's activity. And yet, when your life changed, or if your life changes, because we know that not everyone here has made that decision to follow Jesus or to accept this faith, this goodness, but when they do, the angels stop what they're doing and celebrate. There's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So it's time for us to step back and to revisit this subject of sharing our faith, of what it means for someone to come to faith and what that means. Because it's the beginning of a changed life. That's really what Jesus was doing, coming to change lives. Because when they come to know him and they can see clearly God's redemptive, sacrificial love, which none of us think we deserve, but yet when you just stare at it long enough, you're like, oh my gosh, this is for me? And then every day that you're walking with him, it unfolds, and out of that joy, you want to share it with others. It should be natural. So evangelism shouldn't be this weird, awkward thing. It should be normal. We've talked about it before. If there's something you're excited about, you can't help but tell others. Now, excitement doesn't mean you always dance or you want to yell or scream. It could be a subtle, subtle, like, people should know this. Like, if there's a medicine that took away a pain in your particular joint, oh, my gosh, why do people not know about this? And yet, when it comes to this idea of sharing faith, we think, oh, that's, that's for someone else. I just can't do it. It's just weird. But we all can play a part in this. And as the community of faith, I want us to revisit what this looks like. It's time for us to step back because, as we said, angels are in the presence of God 24-7. They stop what they're doing. For us, as we start to look at who Jesus is, we look at God, we look at our faith, then we want to share it. But most of us don't know how, so we're going to get into that. We're not going to talk about strategies. We're going to talk about just, we all have a different voice. We all have different gifts. We all play a part in it. And so we want to look at the different ways that we can all participate in making it easier. And I'll tell you this right off the bat. 
most people do not want to come to church. That's probably not the first step. We'll talk about what that first step is, but it, we need to remember why we're doing this. It's, it's out, of, out of love. So I've been trying to hammer it home over and over and over again. What is the mission of branches? I'm going to give a one, two, three, and let's see if you guys can all say it at the same time. Probably won't, so I'm not expecting that, but I just want it to be one of those things that's hammered home so we have no confusion. So on three, it should be nice and simple. If you don't know, don't bother. I don't want to embarrass anybody. One, two, three. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing this home. Love God, love people. That's why I put it on the thing all the time. This is, when we're talking about sharing our faith, it's still part of loving God, loving people. So the next time we do the pop quiz, you know what it is. The reason we're talking about sharing our faith is because loving God and loving people, we share with others because we love them. Not because we have to, well, Jesus said we need to go and do this. No, we look at the heart of God and we just continue that on. That's what we do. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a deeper dive into this and look at how does that happen. So I'm going to invite um, uh, the band up. By the way, it was very impressive. You went from the um, Yacht Rock, and then as soon as you turned it off, I didn't know it turned off because when you played the guitar, I thought it was still part of the same. I was like, oh, I don't know this song. And it wasn't just me. Tyler had the same deal. <laughs> so if you're able, physically able, uh, join me in with standing. If you, you worship better sitting down, Go and do that, and we'll continue this series um, over the next few weeks to put more skin on the bones.